You said humble beginnings. You said growing up without electricity. It was not easy. It was not electricity for the first 10 years. I was studying in a lamp with a kerosene lamp. My perseverance paid off. My parents' guidance paid off. My, you know, source of inspiration that time was my parents. And, and they always, you know, made me believe that I can do better, continually do uh, better in life. They encouraged you to believe in yourself and believe what's possible, maybe even beyond the village one day. Welcome back to Lead the Team with number one best-selling author and in-demand corporate trainer, Ben Fanning. On this podcast, the world's most innovative senior leaders share their top success strategies to motivate your direct reports, cultivate your top leaders, and accelerate your career. Let's get started. Here's Ben. Hey there, Lead the Team Nation, and welcome back to another great episode. Today, I have for you Ashish Saxena who is YPRO Senior Vice President and Sector Head of Manufacturing and High Tech. YPRO Limited, in case you're not familiar with it, is a leading technology services and consulting company focused on building innovative solutions that address clients' most complex digital transformation needs. Now, they have over 260,000 employees, and Ashish's team alone is over 15,000 I mean, I'll tell you what, my hometown was 16,000 people. So Ashish's team is basically <laughs> the equivalent of my hometown growing up. Uh, holy smokes. And Ashish has over 25 plus years in his career demonstrating visionary leadership and outstanding performance, managing Fortune 500 and global 1,000 client relationships. And he also served for over 20 years as a leader over at Tata Consultancy Services. And he received his MBA from Rutgers and also completed the advanced management program over at the Wharton School. Ashish, welcome to Lead the Team. Thank you, Ben. Thank you for having me into this podcast. Man, it is so good to have you on. As I mentioned earlier, that's a lot of people uh, on your team. For, for the leaders listening today who might be managing a team of one, or might be managing a team of 10, 20, 30, what is the biggest challenge with leading a global team of 15,000 employees? Ben, it's, it's, it's a complex role, you know. But one <laughs> yeah. thing I want to start with, uh, you know, is always I tell the team, have the belief in themselves. Mm. Having a belief in themselves, having the belief in their team, having a belief in the company, and having the belief on uh, their leaders. Uh, that, that gets me going, and that's been one of my mantra to my team, as I wake up every morning. That's great. So you've, and I think that's really important. So it's a complex team. You all are up to a lot of different activities, 15,000 around the globe. And it sounds like you're really focusing on one key thing initially, right? And, and then this yes. idea of belief. So what do you say to somebody who they're like, belief in myself? Like, I've, how do I go about doing that? I mean, where do you start with, believing in yourself so one of the thing uh, you know if you look at it my journey uh, ben uh, mm -hmm. i started with a very humble beginning uh, I, I was born in a place where there was not even electricity and today i'm doing a podcast with you wow. uh, very proud of my journey very proud of my journey and what got me okay. going is the multiple phases of beliefs you know and uh, uh, if you look at it there are successes there are challenges in the career uh, but 
you know, mm-hmm. every time you succeed, you believe in that you have done it. You have did it because of your team support. You have did it with your leadership support. But if you have not succeeded, you know, you learn through the mistakes, but you also believe that you will do better next time. And that gets me going, uh, you know, Ben. And I, we've been doing this, and I don't know whether you've watched this show, Ted Lasso. It's a very famous show. Of course, yeah. It's a whole, you know, and uh, I never found that word before, but once I watched this show, uh, I got this, uh, you know, metaphor right. And because if for the listeners listening in this, Ted Lasso show is about a coach who's, you know, coaching an American football, goes to London, teaches a soccer, and but he didn't know the soccer, but what he brought in the belief in the team, what he brought mm. in the togetherness in the team. And of course, you know, the season three is out there, but uh, the transformation of his team was amazing. And uh, that's something I want listener to watch and also learn from the, the journey of the coach and my journey along with along with that. Uh, yeah. Thanks for mentioning Ted Lasso. I mean, you can never go wrong mentioning that show. I went a long time uh, without watching it. And someone on the internet came on, I believe it was a... Uh, I can't remember specifically the interview, but they they talked about the idea of having the memory of a goldfish and how it's the happiest animal on the planet. You know, he's like, what's the happiest animal on the planet? It's goldfish. They have a short memory and they're able to move on. And I'm like, you know, I've heard that, but I haven't watched it. And multiple people reached out to me after that show. And they're like, Ben, that was a great interview. But one of the biggest things I took away from that is that you haven't watched Ted Lasso yet and you need to do it. So it's obviously uh, a high impact leadership lesson there, but I want to scroll back to something that you mentioned. You said humble beginnings. You said growing up without electricity, and now here you are on a podcast talking about leading fifteen thousand people in a technology, you know, oriented company. What was it like, you know, growing up without electricity? Because people may not, you know, be uh, be familiar with what that's like not easy you know you know i was born in a very small village in india there was not electricity for first 10 years uh, i was studying in a lamp with the kerosene lamp you know i don't know whether you have ever even seen the kerosene wow. lamp where you watch yeah. you know you study and i my father used to take me to the you know school which was like 10 kilometers or five miles away and uh, i will go to the bicycle and then i come back in the evening and study and uh, I will have to study and manage the time because there is not enough, you know, time in the evening uh, because there's no electricity. Uh, but you no, know, my perseverance paid off. My parents' guidance paid off. My, you know, source of inspiration that time was my parents, and and they always, you know, made me believe that I can do better, continually do uh, better in life. And okay, but you can only visualize you've gone through with that. When it's very difficult to explain. Uh, how the life was, but uh, but you know we 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 worked together very hard as a family and uh, come a long way from there on. So your parents encourage you to keep studying, and it sounds like they encouraged you to believe in yourself and believe what's possible, maybe even beyond the village one day. Yes, yes. So after you know, my 10 years, I got a admission into a school which was difficult to get in. It was English medium school. So first moving from a place where you were born without electricity and getting an admission to English medium school, uh, that itself was the first possibility wow. I could see. 
And uh, from there on, of course, then I continued to build uh, uh, through that. And it was a military school. So uh, I got through a very regimented, uh, you know, kind of education system. I got a very nice friend from a variety. So I learned about diversity. I learned about, you know, working through a various, you know, you know type of people coming along with you because uh, I was coming from a very different background. Wow. So thinking about that today, what's the bit of advice that you would give your younger self back then, knowing that you'd are, that your parents already instilled the like believing in in what's possible, but but what else comes to mind? Giving yourself advice at that age. I, the second thing comes into my mind was the grit, and you know I will bring the reference of this book from Angela Duckworth. You know mm. I didn't have that word previously in the mind, but now I can put this in the context. You know she talks very nicely about this grit quotient. And Ben, I don't know whether you read it, you know, grit is the composition of perseverance and passion. Uh, so perseverance plus passion equals grit. Yeah. Angela Duckworth. Yeah. And yeah. she's and yeah. talking about your military, military school. She did a lot of study in West Point, right? At, at, at Beast Barracks, which is where she really, I guess, based a lot of her research on what she discovered there. Yes, yes, I read that. And her first research was, or she was invited into West Point School, uh, where she has to study the predictive success score of the some of the students coming in. And uh, there were results were very different based on what you would see based on the performance in the high school versus what you see in the West Point. And what she came to conclusion is the success mantra for people or predictive success score for the people in West Point was a grit. And she found the word grit. And which is a composition of perseverance and passion. And she says mm-hmm. 50% comes from passion and 50% comes from perseverance. And that makes it great. So uh, it was an ama- amazing intro- story in the context of looking back now, uh, what it mean then. And now Angela put it very nicely into the, you know, her story of uh, West Point and several other research thereon. By the way, I had opportunity to meet with her in one of the Wharton Business School, oh. uh, you know, session and, you know, now she's doing a lot of work with the, you know, creating a character lab in Wharton and she's the doing character a lot of lab at Wharton, right. She's yeah. I mean, it's so many cool things coming out of that. Now I see a challenge here and you can, you can tell me how you navigated this. So you came from humble beginnings, as you've explained, leading a team of 15,000 people. You talk about belief and grit being so instrumental. It's one that sounds like you discovered this within yourself. You had parents that helped help foster this and nurture it. But now you have the challenge of, wait a minute, I've got 15,000 people. These two things, grit and belief are important. How are you thinking and what's your advice to leaders who want to instill this in their team? Because I'm assuming, Ashish, you're not able to go around and have one-on-ones with 15,000 people. And talk to them. Talk to them about this. So, uh, what? How are you approaching it? So we are doing it in a multiple way. When uh, mm-hmm. one, of course, communication. Uh, we did one session with our leaders where we invited my direct report and some of the identified leaders talk about their belief story. So I'm trying to cascade oh. my journey. Their, to their, their personal belief stories. You had them yes. talk about their. So you talk to the leaders about, hey, this is what I believe. I believe helping our employees believe in themselves and the, and the possibility in the company is big. Then you had them share their personal stories. 
Yes, so we did a town hall and we invited wow. you know top leaders of the you know our business unit and we I had my top you know twelve leaders or fifteen leaders coming there talking about their belief. Now five hundred people have heard it. My hope is those five hundred people will go and talk about their people, and that's the best way to cascade the communication. That is one. Wow. Uh, second thing, you know, Ben, I was also started going and talking about some of these things publicly into the LinkedIn because LinkedIn is a very you know, varied source of the communication. So people who didn't hear from the leaders, hopefully they go and, you know, find myself looking into the LinkedIn, my post on the belief and some of the my, you know, leadership behaviors and the talk I'm talking about. I did write about the grit as a book. I did talk about the belief and Ted Lasso as a story. And by the way, I was in India last week and three people walked to me and they, they did mention about that, oh, you've been writing into LinkedIn and I read about your, you know, stagnant grit. So that was a good thing. Wow. Okay. So pause there for a second. So you're proactively leveraging LinkedIn to communicate to your team, not just relying on internal email, the YPRO email server, YPRO newsletter. You're leveraging as a leader at LinkedIn to communicate to your employees. And it sounds yes. like it's been effective. Yes. Because I believe there are two ways. One, I have my current team. I have a larger community. One of the things when I've realized with the experience now, and I always believed in, and this is important point to talk about, somebody trusted on me when I was not ready, whether it is in Wipro or whether it's in a previous organization, my leaders have given me a role when I was not ready, or at least I didn't believe that I'm ready and they trusted me and I've succeeded in many and I have failed in many, but I'm, you know, learned through all the journey. Mm-hmm. And one thing I've started thinking about it, how do I, how do I give back to the community? Uh, because you have a current 15,000 people, you have a several of the past colleague. Uh, I also have many of my connections beyond in the customer's organization. So I said, what is the best way to communicate? One, of course, internally communicate through the email, you communicate through the video cost, you talk about something through the town halls, uh, but then in the pandemic world, you know, people are also, and I will talk about this pandemic in a minute, but the world of pandemic has becoming very fragmented. And mm-hmm. I thought best way to communicate is why don't I use the, you know, media of LinkedIn and I found it very effective. Uh, so every Saturday evening, I, you know, from 5 to 7 p.m., I figure it out something, what I should write. And uh, uh, sometime I talk about books. So I wrote about book, you know, great. I've written about several other topics on my leadership beliefs. Uh, sometimes I talk about technology. Sometimes I talk about my vision about the manufacturing high tech. Uh, and the feedback has been exemplary because many people who have not known me in Wipro, they walk to me and say, oh, I read your article or I read about book rate or I read about something. That is very encouraging, Ben. And I mm. wanted to do more. What do you, so what do you say to leaders who are like, yeah, yeah, okay, okay, Ashish, you're doing LinkedIn. But me as a leader, you know, I write emails. I don't write social media posts. Uh, I'm not comfortable putting my ideas out in that way. What's your advice to them? What do you say to them? I would tell them that try it in a smaller way. Uh, by the way, I, I'm doing something called social advocacy program for my marketing team. So I know everybody is not very comfortable. Everybody is not, you know, out there. I was not there probably a few years back, but someday I started. So three messages. Mm-hmm. One a structured program. My marketing team is trying to work through a social advocacy program for the people. Second, I'm trying to work through the, you know, my own people. I talk to them. I give them example that, you know, it's fine. Third, I say LinkedIn is a very 
you know, neutral media. So even if you are not perfect, start somewhere. I think these are the thing I'm doing. Am I successfully? Maybe with some, maybe with not some. Like one leader yesterday came and say, oh, he listened to me. Now every day, 5 to 7 p.m., he's writing about his industry dynamics. So he's getting there. He's starting with comfort on his technology, you know, design and technology thoughts before he moves into the leadership journey. But I said, great, you know, at least somewhere you're starting. So people are, people are, I think, uh, you know, learning and you have to just give, encourage them in a, you know, doing something in a smaller way. Want to boost your productivity and decision-making? Get vital insights from each episode delivered directly to your inbox. A great resource whether you've listened to the episode or not. Go to benfanning.com slash insight. It's something for leaders if they're not on top of this. And, and some listening may, may be on top of this, but I feel like most are not. You're doing it strategically, right? You're like, you're bringing in your marketing department and usually marketing for companies, especially of this size. So, okay, we have a marketing department. They're in charge of doing all the marketing stuff and I do all the internal leading stuff. But now the expectation, and this is coming so, so quickly where marketing is partnering with leaders to help them get their message out. And of course, Sometimes we're being hired by companies to help leaders amplify that because it's almost becoming expected that leaders are going to have a voice outside the company, not just on the town hall. So Ben, really, two important yeah. point here. I want to bring a perspective there. One, yeah. uh, I have started talking to the team that amplifying the voice is important. Creating your own brand is important because the world is fragmented. You know, everybody is very busy until unless you talk about it, until unless you advocate about yourself and in a nice, humble way that, you know, something you can give back. So it is important. I have been talking to my team that making your effort to letting them know what they are doing well. I've started using this word, something I've learned from somebody called brag better or brag right. Uh, so that you are, you know, bringing the things which is necessary uh, but you are bragging for the right purpose and purpose is more important than the what you are bragging about. And that's something I've been very vocal about. And uh, I'm bringing my mm. marketing. So in two things, I'm doing it. Everybody has to come strat strategically to come together to solve the you know problem of the brand management, right? Because brand management is not easy for the individual leaders. They are very busy. Uh, so I bring my marketing team strategically. I'm trying to bring my internal communication team strategically. I'm trying to bring my HR team to come together so that they all look at it holistically. Like HR team did this session for belief, mm -hmm. which I spoke very briefly. And marketing team is putting together a social advocacy program, which I spoke, you know, a few weeks back. And then the internal communication team is coming together and seeing whether, you know, we should try to create a communication on a regular basis. So multiple people have to come together. Now, as a leader, I have to bring all of them together because they need to see the common agenda, common framework, common thinking, common messaging. Um, and we also have worked through several of the thought leadership. We worked with mm. our business review, if you look at it, uh, and created a thought paper, uh, which I had a privilege to write a preface on about manufacturing vision 2025, you know, it became very popular uh, about the industry view. Now, of course, we partnered with Harvard Business Review because they had a good brand. We also had a very good content and story. I'd say they have a pretty good brand. 
and we brought Probably. in our uh, our uh, customers too so i'll tell you you know one of our customers uh, i met a few weeks back and he even put in a linkedin that this was his lifetime achievement to get in a part of the you know harvard business review as a part of his life story and uh, sure uh, felt very part of that's not of bad it. press so i want to yeah. go back to what you said about brag better or brag right what is bragging better so finding the right story, uh, because sometimes as engineers, uh, we do a lot of good work. And I was telling the team in India you know, a few weeks back that you know, we do a very good work. We talk about a lot of things. We help our customers succeed. Mm-hmm. We have help our team succeed. Uh, but we don't create a good story around it. We don't create how we have came across solving the problem. What is the learning we got out of this you know, journey? And that is what I meant by brag better or brag right. I don't mean, you know, we create something out of it. There's no substance. So I personally believe bragging with substance is important. Bragging with purpose is important. And it is all about giving back, whether we are helping other customers to learn from something or whether we are helping other leaders to learn from something. I think that is what I meant by, you know, bragging right. Well, it makes a lot of sense because, you know, you've got a lot of unsung heroes probably on your team that do great work. They're behind the scenes. And if no one knows that they're doing a great job, that lack of visibility can hurt their career. It can hurt the business because if they feel like they're not being recognized because people don't know, uh, they might disengage. They might quit and go somewhere else. You know, the the company doesn't benefit that way. So I think having a, a, a way giving them a framework to create a narrative, to tell the story about why their work matters and how their contribution went. And that is powerful. And I think leaders don't take the time to do it themselves, much less their team. Was there a moment where you're like, aha, like this is a gap, like I, like you're seeing, or where did you notice this for yourself initially in your career that, Hey, I, I'm not doing any, I'm not tooting my own horn, so to speak. I need to get on this. Well, when did you know? Transformation come to me in a two point when I went to do my MBA at Rutgers Business School. Uh, That was the moment where, you know, we looked at it. I got this one of the, you know, professor talking about the CEO communication. She talking about some of the learning and talking through the press release. Uh, I think that was the one moment when I started beginning to do that. So my, you know, journey was got a little bit of pivotal moment. But when I went to Wharton Business School and they brought in some of the external you know, facilitator to improve the communication skill, they brought in a few people to even bring the theatric as a part of your communication style uh, was, mm. was I've never you know, thought before. Uh, but then I said, aha, you know, something, this is necessary. And uh, they say as a leader, you know, you have to inspire, you know, you have to you know, guide, you know, people, you have to build a followership. Uh, people look at you, you know, your every action and reaction word matters to people. Somebody even went and saying is you even impact the lives of the people because any decision you take impacts, you know, several of them. Uh, And then say, yeah, then I talked about role modeling of the behavior. I talked Mm -hmm. about doing something right. I think those are the two times where I I think 
opened up my and I got a little bit out of the comfort zone, so to speak, you know, when uh, and then I decided to do it. And then pandemic also gave a little bit of pause to the life and, you know, you know, travel has slowed down a little bit. So you got a little time to think. Uh, so multiple things happened. And then when things started, positive reinforcement of people reinforcing you and that what you are doing is right. People come to me and say, oh, yeah, this is something or my team coming. Oh, I learned it or somebody walking in the you know, corridor told me they liked my writing in the link. Those are the multiple things, you know, helped me to, you know, continue. Yeah, it's to cool to have that, that light bulb go off when you're in class. And I mean, at Wharton, for goodness sakes, if professors are coming in and teaching you communication skills and talking about this as a responsibility, uh, I can see where that made an impact. And also like what you said about, you're setting the tone, you're role modeling the behavior you want others to emulate. And if you want, to, as a leader, if you want to understand the narratives of the wins that your team's having, uh, you can ask them, but man, it's way better if you give an example or you tell the narrative of the whole team and they see their place in it and they start to show up, I suspect. So when they show up and they're presenting, in your meetings, Ashish, have you noticed a shift in your team since you started taking this action? I did. I did. And a few people yeah. have started doing it. One of my leader, many of my leaders started, you know, showing up, you know, a lot better in LinkedIn. Uh, actually, somebody came to me very recently and say, oh, they heard me saying is that I go into very regularly over the weekend. He started doing it. I have seen him, you know, putting a few things on the LinkedIn post. Uh, Mm -hmm. A very interesting story when I was in India, you know, a few weeks back and uh, we were talking about this belief and uh, one person stood up and say, I have written a book and the book is called I ne Never Gave Up. And I put in a recently on the LinkedIn coming back from the Bangalore. And I wouldn't have ever known uh, if mm -hmm. I wouldn't have given this platform to team to mm -hmm. talk about. Oh, there's so many success stories. There were so many people are doing the good work. Uh, but if you don't give them a platform... So I, thinking back, coming from there, I said, maybe we as a leader need to give platform to the more people, whether it's a virtually or whether it is in a form of town hall or whether it's a form of any kind of a media support. Uh, and, uh, you know, I found an author in my team, which I wouldn't have even find it if I wouldn't have asked him to or team to talk about their own success story. And it's a beautiful book of his life journey called I Never Gave Up. And this is something very resonating with what I probably, you know, started, you know, many years back. So what's your thought about how that might cut both ways? So on one hand, you're giving voice and a platform to your employees, okay, and your leaders, and you're helping them develop their own voice, but also the risk is potentially they're getting a call from a recruiter. Like, hey, I saw you on LinkedIn. You're doing a great job as a leader, and you might lose them. So how, how do you think through this? Uh, possibility here, if sort sort of how a, there is always a possibility, there is a need for the great talent across the world. What I always believed in uh, Ben is, you yeah. have to develop the people for them to do better, but you have to continue to do the things for them so you retain them. Mm. Uh, this is a famous thing. One of the CEO, you know, he was talking to CFO, and you know, CFO said, "Why people, you know, why to train them if they leave them?" And CEO said, "If what if they stay and they don't perform?" 
Uh, it's a very long back. It's a, it's a, it's a you know, few, you know, cartoon came out many, many years back. I'm sure when you saw that. Yes, uh, yes, so I yes. believe around that, grooming the people to do their best. Because as long as they're with us, I want them to do better. Mm-hmm. I want them to continually getting yeah. themselves, you know, groomed to the next role. I should be able to promote them. Because if they do well, and if they get, you know, get, get noticed by the external world, they will get noticed by my customers. They will get noticed by the, my team. So finally, the rewards are many and the risks are less. And then we as a leaders have to manage the end. That's where the talent management, the attrition management, the motivational management, you know, comes into play. Uh, so uh, I think the down upside is many, then the downsides are few, uh, which we all as a leaders have to manage. Everything what you do, there are some upsides, there are some downsides. So what's the time you had an unexpected twist or failure in your career? And how did it lead to your success or growth on down the road? So, and as I said, there are always many successes. There are many failures. I would, you know, you know, everybody's journey is all about mix of that, right? It's a bouquet of success and bouquet of failures. But one thing I would want to talk about, you know, one time I was working in a role, uh, which was a new role. I was into a location, which is in a little bit more newer to me. And uh, unfortunately, that role didn't work out. In, in the way I would have expected or, you know, my leader would have expected. And they said, you know, maybe something you want to look for differently. And mm-hmm. I got that opportunity and I was in the U.S. I also wanted to go back to India for a few years to see, get a more exposure for that. Uh, and I went to India and there I got a more of an execution-oriented role, uh, what we call in our term is called a delivery of organization. And uh, the first role I got in a very unique geography, and when you will laugh at it, uh, it was a new program, but it was for a Japan geography. And you know, Japan as a culture is a very different culture. And I used to travel every month there and, uh, you know, work on something uh, which was very fascinating. What I learned there, first thing is culture is very important because I was living in the U.S., but one first time I got exposure for a very different culture, which I didn't had a exposure to. And while doing a business, the culture plays a very important role. Uh, so that's first learning. Uh, second is, it was a new thing for me. I took a risk. It was unknown. It could have succeeded. It could have failed. But then I took it based on the belief, which I spoke, you know, very beginning part of this podcast, Van. And, uh, you know, Long story short, it, it worked out very nicely. And then uh, my portfolio got got expanded many fold. And since they found me working in a new geography, one time I was working in a, I used to call is waking from Australia and sleeping in the West Coast of USA because I had a customer in Australia. I had a customer in Japan. Oh, yes. I had a Belgium and Germany and, you know, Europe and coming into the point of, you know, uh, uh, you know, US. Uh, so, and that gave me a very good exposure of leading the team, very good exposure of working through multicultural yes. aspect. And uh, I think that failure in hindsight, if it wouldn't happen, I wouldn't have traveled to India. I wouldn't have got an execution role. Uh, I probably wouldn't have worked in a multicultural environment. And when I came back, uh, now putting in the context of my, this role, I always keep the culture of a customer in the context of uh, every time we serve them, because even within the U.S., there are many cultures, right? So, you know, another culture, Southern culture, West culture, East culture in the U.S. Uh, and But my root of that learning was from that Japan. 
in terms of how um, you know you you look at the culture of the customers organization to serve them better and once you understood mm-hmm. that i think technology solution is easy uh, because knowing that nuance is important yeah such a great story and understanding that culture is not just about the country's culture it's segmented to the company to the group and paying attention to that because i suspect um from a leadership standpoint you're going to be able to lead with more intention and communicate more effectively if you understand the culture and you also of course be able to to sell better and consult better uh when you understand the culture so what what a great place to start now we're just about out of time here but i got to ask you because your your company's so global you gave a great example of, of working globally there what is and you and you talked about the part of your day when you do LinkedIn, but what does a day in the life look like? Because my clients, even my, and, and myself, working with clients and customers and my team in different time zones can stress your leadership and stress your lifestyle. Disruptive to sleep, disruptive to just being out in the world. Uh, what's your advice for having some work-life balance? keeping perspective and leading uh, when I get to stretch across multiple time zones. Yeah, no, no. So, so if you look at it, Ben, from a, from a, my day perspective, uh, some days are different than others. Uh, so, but the typical day I would describe into the four category, one focus on customer, because there are many engagement you do work with customers, you engage with customer on a very regular basis. And I'm a very customer focused leader. So I do want to spend time with my, customers uh, uh, quite often. Uh, second, you know, you, you want to spend time with your team because your team needs your guidance, your team you need your directions. Uh, you might want to engage and communicate with that. So that's the second part of the day. Uh, but the two other part of the day, which I don't want to bring in too, to bring the holistic picture is the, you know, the life, you know, the personal life and how do you make sure that you spend time with family, you uh, you, sure. you balance balance that part of it. And the fourth one is my own personal learning and growth. So I do point, put mm-hmm. some time on thinking on my calendar. I do put some time on my calendar to read the book in a very strategic manner or read some article or write some article. So these are my four you know, kind of components. So working with the customer, working with the team, make sure I have mm-hmm. enough time with the family and spending time with my learning and growth. And family time includes, you know, going to gym and making sure the, you know, f- uh, fitness is important. Uh, and uh, it is not or. I also want to underline it is not or, it is and, and it's very important message. It is work and life. It is, you know, family and learning. It is and, it is not or. But on one day, you might have higher priority on one sphere of influence than other. But I'm trying to keep this underlying element. It is and. And and is something is why I want to give the team there. Uh, I'm fortunate. And this probably goes back to my team. If you build a stronger team, if you are able to manage your calendar better, if you are sharper on that, I do find enough time while it's a global team. My teams are, you know, in a global. So typically the time zones are there. Uh, but I do put some boundaries around, you know, 
taking a call after a point and maybe sleep, you know, uh, six to seven hours every day if possible, uh, you know, minimizing the travel if necessary or finding now in pandemic, one of the things we found it, work, work can be done something without travel. So optimize your travel as much as necessary. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but but I, I find, I think uh, this is my message to the people is that I also want to say that passion of what you want to do people ask me how can you find time for reading the books or you how can you find time to you know write a linkedin what can you do how can you do this how are you still responsive to me faster you know in some of the cases and i always say i choose what i want to do and it is all about your passion uh, and sometimes i push back my people i said if you're passionate about something you will be able to find a time just go back it is it is it about your time management or is it about your passion for something i think answer lies more on the later part of it at least i can very proudly say uh, but kudos to my team because they do a lot of hard work and i guide them so building a team and i think this is the purpose of this podcast is the leading the effective team uh, mm-hmm. once you do it i think you'll be able to manage the you know your your day a lot better yeah it's it's a great dichotomy and it also is, you know, it, it kind of over like a Venn diagram too, in, in both ways where you've got passion and you said time management. Now, I think most people uh, default to where they're comfortable and looking at time. And that's something we're familiar with is how many hours in a day we're trying to prioritize within that. Um, but this thing, passion. Now, some people might say, well, that means you gotta really love it and gotta stick to it, uh, and just be energized and excited every day, even when you feel like it's a grind. But when I hear passion, I think of it a little bit differently in terms of how you're saying it. To me, what I hear you saying is passion is the determination to figure it out. So you may not always be excited about what you gotta do. Or it may cost you some hours of sleep periodically, but passion means you're committed to figure it out. It doesn't mean you're just going to grind your whole life, Uh, but it means you're going to figure it out to where it can work for you and your team. And um, if you engage, if you're passionate, you're going to, you're more likely to engage people in problem solving conversations. You're more open to talking about your boundaries and other people's boundaries and you're more open and more proactive, but I don't want to put words in your mouth. But how does that resonate? Because I think that's how I that's how I heard what you just said. I just want to make sure. No, no, you absolutely got it right. Okay. It's all about figuring it out. It's all about prioritizing. It is okay. also about being flexible because something you might start with it. Maybe you find it trying new things. Something you may like it. Something you may not like it. So continue yeah. to do it and small in an incremental way. I always believe small in an incremental way, mm. try it out continuously. You know, success comes in, cherish it. If you don't go through the, you know, you learn through it, you know, just move on and then continue to do it. And that's the only thing. It's not easy. Uh, time management is not easy. When if I would have said it, you know, I figured it out, you know, I would be giving a wrong message. But every day you have to try. Every day have to you have to think what is important, and then uh, you know someday maybe not. But then don't sweat about it. And if someday you have to go longer than a typical day, it's fine. 
as long as your average is better than what you think mm-hmm. you would be okay so i don't want to try to perfect a day i want to make my average day look better there you go. oh nice i like that i like that she's well she's thank you for coming on i like not the perfect day i'm trying to make the average day better <laughs> incrementally every day because that makes it way more attainable and it's a i mean it's a really cool way to instill uh continuous improvement i'd say any uh what's your final message to our to our guest today i would just say believe in yourself believe in your team everybody has journey my final message is about a poem ethaka which i've learned in wharton journey is more important than destinations we mm-hmm. as a leader destination keep changing uh enjoy the journey every moment is important and uh, have fun along the way um that is my final message to the people and i love this poem uh ben ithaka and i uses it in many you know places since i've learned it about it uh, journey is more important than destination but thanks for having me in this podcast i really learned it hopefully you know listeners will learn it um but as i said my journey continues so so this is the probably a stop point for what i have shared so far uh, but i would love to continue to share uh, what i learned from here on all right thanks ashish if you're an executive at a crossroads in your career and thinking about quitting do this before you do anything else head over to benfanning.com/quit to receive a free signed copy of my number one best-selling book, The Quit Alternative, The Blueprint for Creating the Job You Love Without Quitting. You'll learn the critical questions you must answer before you make such an impactful decision. Go to benfanning.com slash quit to get this valuable resource for just the cost of shipping. Ben Fanning is a number one best-selling author, Inc. Magazine columnist, and CEO of The Fanning Group, an international consultancy and corporate training company. To learn how they can help your organization, go to benfanning.com.